Hey, this is Dave Pryor for The Reluctant Agilist. I'm the 2019 North American Global Scrum Gathering with Double Pantrel, and we're going to talk about the mid-sprint review. Yes. Before we do that, tell these fine people who you are. Hi, I'm Double Pantrel. I'm the founder of Evolve Agility. I'm based out of Houston, and I'm an Agile coach and a trainer. And you don't have to wave. They can't see you. But I still have to connect. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, I want to give my take on the mid-sprint review. I know you have a very different opinion on it, but when people ask me about this in class, I kind of shoot it down because they say we're doing like a four-week sprint with a mid-sprint review. I'm like, so you're actually just doing two sprints. But that is not what you're talking about when you talk about mid-sprint review. So where did this start from? I think, uh, thank you for asking that, because almost 10 years ago, uh, I was coaching a team, and this was a team that was just starting with Scrum, and we were doing two-week sprints. And what I noticed as a pattern in the very first sprint, uh, something happened was uh, no work was getting done until the middle of the sprint. And then by the time we finished the sprint, uh, there was the obvious cliff. You, you see, you, you yeah. understand where the burn down chart never actually burns down and there's this whole... But isn't that just they're bringing in stuff that's too big? Yes, that's what okay. I thought, right? Because that's what I've been told to think. Right. So um, I looked at that and we saw that there was a lot of work that was not accomplished. Okay. Second sprint, similar stuff happened. So by the time we get to the third sprint, we are in the same state. So I happened to call a one-hour meeting uh, in the middle of the sprint, and I called it the mid-sprint review. And this is pure intuition. So who's in this meeting? That's what. Let me or, tell you so, about the meeting. Sorry. Invite. Yeah. I'll back off, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, the meeting invite was. Uh, my intention was to do. Uh, uh, you see, meeting meetings are always a fixed time box, but this meeting was special. It was set for one hour but the meeting was intended and expected to be done in five minutes. Okay. So everyone shows up on time, and in five minutes, we ask a simple question. Are we going to meet our sprint call? Okay. If everyone says yes, meeting's done. Okay. If people say yes and no, then we talk about why we have a gap in our understanding. Okay. If everyone says no, then the meeting is done in five minutes. What do you do if they all say no? then we know we have to drop something from the sprint, okay. and that can be a follow-on conversation. Okay. It doesn't have to be discussed or diagnosed right. in that, right? Okay. And what I discovered was when we started doing the sprint reviews and we held it to the promise of only five minutes, if right. everyone gave a unanimous answer as a team, uh, we stopped doing the sprint review. Okay. What it turned into was a daily stand-up question yeah, well, that's how I do that at the end of every daily setup. Are we going to meet the commitment or the forecast? Right, right. So, and and that, that was another way of trying to incorporate this mid-sprint review concept, but do it every single day, as if every single day of your sprint is the mid-sprint. Okay. Right, so if we take it very literally, then you're going to put a clear marker in the middle of the sprint. Okay. Right, which is fine, because I right. think like that is very, very valuable. And after uh, the talk, uh, and you can probably hear confirmation bias in what I'm going to say next. After Dan Pink's talk yesterday, where he talked about the U-shaped curve and the middle slump, right. uh, that was essentially what was happening. So I want to ex try to explain this idea. So when Daniel Pink gave his keynote yesterday, he showed that this pattern exists in people's lives, in animals' lives, in all the kind of project work we do, where it starts out, things are okay, they take a dip, and in the middle of whatever anyone's doing, there's not a lot of confidence, not a lot of joy, but then at the end, as you get past the first half, things tend to pick up. Right, I think, what, and, and what he was trying to say is, initially there's not much progress being made because people are busy with 
whatever else is playing right. on their mind until there is this moment. And can I say, oh shit, on your thing? Well, you did, so thank it's fine. you. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this oh shit moment, and that brings people together, and it tends yeah. to happen somewhere around the middle time. Okay. Right, and that's what uh, rallies people together to yeah. get something done. And that is then what Then they was, get the momentum. And then they get the momentum to actually figure out how to work with each other and, and get to the next happy state, right? Okay. In order to deliver the project or in order to move on to what they really want to do with their lives. Okay. So that was something that I kind of intuited when I was in the early sprints with my teams. Mm -hmm. And I've still continued to use this practice of mid-sprint review depending on the situation at okay. hand. And I appreciate that in the Scrum Guide and the Scrum Framework does not mandate it. It doesn't dictate right. it. But what you will find interesting is in the less framework, there is a mid-sprint review. They don't call it a mid-sprint review. Okay. But there is like a defined product backlog refinement, uh, overall refinement that is put as an activity, okay. as an event, as opposed to an activity in, in the right of the middle. And one okay. of the things you talk about is how is the current sprint going across multiple teams. So when you, I just want to clarify this for the folks who are listening. When you're talking about the review, it's not the, uh, a review in the sense that we have one at the end of the sprint to look at the shippable product. Yes. This is, are we going to make it? Are we going to make what? And if you do it every day in the daily scrum, are you still calling it a mid-sprint review? Or no. Just, okay. No. I mean, you just call like, in one of the teams, and this is... Uh, this I'll is have what, pictures that we can show. Uh, I don't know if I can share pictures. Well, this you, is can, you, can, <laughs> you can fake some. Or I can fake them. Okay. We'll clean them up. Okay. So w w in this team's journey, what was happening was uh, they would have a similar pattern, right? right? They would start into the sprint with a very high degree of confidence that they're going to meet the sprint goal. They are going to be able to accomplish what they said they were going to right. do. But then invariably you would have teams, because these are three feature teams. They are all okay. working in a less style adoption. Yeah. Okay. So they are fairly independent on their own. No dependencies on any other teams. Okay. So any work that comes in, this team is capable, skilled, to take it from start to end. Okay. Right, but they're still building the same product. Yeah. So what was happening was there was one team that would consistently overcommit and under deliver, the other team was consistently commit and deliver. Okay. And uh, what the Scrum Master was trying to figure out is how do I surface this information so the team that is consistently overcommitting right. but undelivering can signal to the other team that they need help. Ah, okay. Right, so you draw a simple X and Y axis. Uh, y axis has a confidence level from sure. 0 to 10. 10 indicating we are 100% confident okay. that this is going to be our goal and we actually can meet it. And 0 implying like we don't have much. Like, it's, so it's if you had 9 people on your team and every, every day people got to vote like a 1, if we're going to make it 0 for not, you could score it. Right and track that day to day and maybe establish a threshold where if it ever drops below this number, then we have a problem. Yes, but that is not how, like that's a very good way of like using that. Yeah. yeah it's almost like giving a dot and every every yeah. dot counts as a vote and right. you add it up to see what number you're getting. Yeah. yeah? Now, this is slightly different, but thank you for that idea. I might try it. Okay. Uh, this was different because the entire team at the end of the standup or before the standup would the team members in their synchronization point yeah. would say, I feel like a seven that we are going to meet our sprint goal. Okay. And they would do that every day. And you will hear different people talk about different numbers. And then they will kind of say, okay, why do you think it's five? And why do I think it's nine? Okay. And then find agreement on, on, on the number. 
Okay. And what that did for the teams, because their stand-ups were staggered, so you had one team doing the stand-up and the same room, the other team would come in. Uh, They would have a representative at the stand-up listening in. Right. So they would then look at... So so all the teams are going to all the team stand-ups? Yes, and they are all sitting like within a school bus distance. So it's not like they are in different floors of different countries. Yeah. Yeah? So they are already talking to each other. They have a team room. They can see this graph. And they will look at those two graphs for both the teams, and the teams will then recognize uh, it looks like you are losing confidence in your ability to okay. deliver the sprint. How can we orient ourselves to support you? Because remember, they are feature teams, so right. they can work on any of the stories. Okay. It's just that they would prefer to finish a product say. increment for what their team is, and also recognize that the overall goal is to build a stable product. Okay. So. I would say that if people on a team, mm-hmm. if there's somebody on the team that's having trouble with the work, it's the rest of the team's job to help them meet the, the forecast, get the work done. Right. And in the model that you're talking about, if I'm on a team that is, things are going the way they're supposed to, and we notice that the other team is struggling, right. we can offer them assistance if, if that's possible. And then right. you get that same level of support amongst, across teams as you would within a team. Yes, and and what was interesting, and I'm showing you a photo, which I, I don't know I can share, but it'll Well, help. I'll, I'll make a mocked-up yeah. version of it. So what is happening here is uh, you can see now, as in practice, after they started doing these confidence votes, they started putting a one-line statement about what caused that change. So, okay. for example, here... So the, there's a graph, and you'll note that on the graph. Yeah, they're annotating dip. the graph. So for, for one of the photographs that I'm looking at, they're saying code review and Git took longer than expected, and that's why our confidence level... Okay. Or not, not velocity. Con- yeah, sorry. Oh, by the way, this is a no-estimates team, so they don't use story points okay. or velocity. Yeah? Okay. And then there is another dip because a lot of stuff is falling on one team member's lap. So, okay. so that annotation will signal to other people because it's a closed system. It's, it's a very tight-knit system. So okay. if we recognize, oh, Dave is the one who is getting overloaded, we know what kind of work Dave typically does. Okay. So we know who is the right person to help Dave with it. Okay. Right. So as opposed to a general call into the vacuum to say, yeah. or, 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 or trying to like invoke, like, oh, someone must help a team. Yeah. We know exactly what kind of help we need to provide because we know who's overloaded. And if you've got three teams and two of them look like they're going to meet their forecast and one it, or one isn't, mm-hmm. one of them could help, but that might mean they're sacrificing their ability to meet their forecast. So they could go to the PO collectively and say, we got to take something out. Right. Which of these are you willing to live without? Yes. Okay. And I'm assuming that you're still trying to get the team that's overcommitting to a point where they understand how to stop doing that. Yes and no, right? Because okay. what, what, what they would do is they would do an overall retrospective at the end of it. So each team will have their own respective retrospectives. Yeah. And as their coach, I think one of the things that I, I really enjoyed teaching them was systems thinking and to okay. start using systems thinking puzzles as a way to discover what happened in their sprints. Okay. So what the teams will do is they will create these factors and so it's a way of like blocks of a puzzle. Okay. And then in the overall retrospective they will connect the blocks together to do a systems thinking diagram. Okay. And that will reveal something to all the people. Okay. Because what we tried before for at least 10 sprints was to tell the team, why are you overcommitting, undercommit? But it never worked. So they weren't learning the lesson. Right, because it okay. was a lesson that I wanted to teach them yeah, yeah. instead of a lesson they that needed. they organically found. Right. Okay. So when we started doing all of this, like joint discovery, yeah. 
they came to a different conclusion. Okay. Because what the conclusion they came to is, we are dealing with code base that we have never looked at. Like if you in, okay, in, in, it points them to a different answer. To right, the it points them to a different answer. So they started talking about like it, whenever we encounter so one of the patterns that they that they knew. Right. There's something called God class. Like this is okay. a single class with like ten thousand lines of code in it. Okay. And if you're gonna and it touches everything on the planet. So right. If 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 you're gonna do a lot more in that area of the code base, you commit as you commit and then you cut it by half. Because you can't fix your overcommitment, but you can always calibrate after that. Okay, so they're changing the commitment during the sprint. No, before the sprint planning would end. Like, oh, okay. okay. So they, okay, they okay. just go about the regular motions, exactly how they would do okay. their stuff. So they figure out what they think they can do, and then they cut it in half because they know that in this area there's so much murky stuff. Right. We need to, from a waterfall perspective, pad it a little bit. In a way, yes. Okay. In fact, like uh, the and and. Hang on one second. If they were doing story point estimating, right. those items would get a much higher number probably because of the complexity and the risk involved. The, the trick was because, see, what you're dealing with here is a team that is moving into Scrum okay. when they were siloed developers for a very long time. Okay. So they didn't even know what complexity was. Okay. I mean, you know, I'm not talking a theoretical definition yeah, yeah. of complexity, but they don't know what they don't know in the code base. Right. So only when they go work in it, that's when they discover all the problems. Okay. So in terms of like trying to build confidence and to look at like how are we doing? Yeah. This notion of a mid sprint review transitioned into this confidence uh, level check at the daily standup to annotating when and how our confidence shifts. And then you can drops, see the root cause. Uh, drops or goes up, and then you use that as your systems thinking puzzle pieces okay. to then look at the overall dynamics at, at what is going on. All right. Because what generally happens in many team situations is everyone, when they walk out of the sprint, everyone knows what is wrong and what to do about it. Yeah. The problem is not everyone agrees. Okay. But now they're going to try to figure that out a little bit more. Or right. there's something to drive them towards Agreement. pursuing that answer. Yes. Because, okay. you see, every, you know what needs to be fixed. And... I know what needs to and be And each fixed. of us is right, and we're not in agreement on what it is. Right, each one of us is right in a little way. Okay. But if I position the team to say everyone must succeed only on my terms and my definition, right. then everybody fails. Okay. But if we say, okay, you have a kernel of a truth, I have a kernel of a truth, let's see what the greater truth is. Okay. That's how we actually make change happen. Okay. So when you're just... Uh, real quick, can you give a brief explanation of systems thinking in case people aren't familiar with that? Yes. So you can think of systems thinking as a series of events. These are events, uh, you can call them as observable facts. Okay. And uh, most folks are familiar with uh, causation and correlation. The XKCD comic is a perfect example. So you should check it out. I will have to find that as well. Yes. Okay. Um, so what tends to happen is when we look at surface events, we can connect those surface events in, uh, in what we call as a narrative fallacy. Like you can, if you look at the Da Vinci Code, the book, it's a perfect okay. example of taking facts and connecting a narrative around it, which is false. Sorry yeah. for the folks who are... <laughs> if you thought the Da Vinci Code was real. Right. But, it, but you can connect uh, yeah. events in, in false ways. Yeah. Now, these events stem from some behavior of the system. Okay. Yeah. But the behavior of the system stems from the structure within. So the system is, is 
when you look at it, you're being misled. Right. Because you're seeing the thing that you think is the thing, but the thing is not the thing. There's some underlying issue that causes the thing. Right. Okay. Once you start seeing the structure of the system, you not only can predict what is likely to happen, but you okay. can also know what is also possible. What is the potential behavior, latent behavior hidden within? Okay. You can see this in, in your family dynamic. Everything could be going really well until all of a sudden one little thing just triggers a, a moment, yeah. right? And it stems from a structure deep within that okay. was always there. Okay. So what systems thinking does is it starts revealing the structure within. So just because, just right. because it has not happened yet, doesn't mean it won't happen in future. Okay. Okay. Cool. So you're going to let me take your pictures uh, and I will change them. Is that okay? Uh, let me see what I can do. Okay. We'll figure out a way to get the graphics included. I can draw them on a piece of paper for you. Perfect. That would be perfect. That would be easier. What if these people want to follow up with you and ask you more questions? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, you can go on to um, my Twitter at the rate Evolve Agility. Okay. Or you can reach out to me on my email. Okay. Double.panchal. Which I will include in the show notes because they won't be able to spell it. Right. So, <laughs> at the .com. Okay. And, and your website. Evolveagility.com. Evolve cool. All right, dude. Thanks a lot. This was great. Thank you.